Uh, you can be seated if you can. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us in the presence of God. Didn't they do a great job today? So blessed to have you. Two people thought they did a great Let's try that again. All right, let's help them out a little bit. There we go. <laughs> Got to put these guys in therapy. Nobody liked what we were doing. My goodness. But, uh, thank you guys so much for being here today. Welcome to Eastgate Church. My name is Josh. I'm lead pastor here, which means that I'm lead servant here at the church. Uh, the biblical model for leadership is if you want to lead, then you serve. Amen. You know, I think any leadership that seeks to be served rather than to serve is satanic and selfish in nature. And uh, but my goodness, I'm so glad that y'all are here today. We're going to baptize some people today and have some fun. You picked a great day to be here. If you're a guest with us this morning, I'm hoping you're feeling the love. I'm hoping you're feeling welcomed today because it's, it's our goal that anybody that walks through these doors, you're family. Yes. We're family. We're all children of God anyway, right? Yeah. So I say we're all, we're all family. Um, we might look a little different. We might talk a little bit different. We might walk a little bit different, but we're all family and all God's children, so I'm so glad that y'all are here today. But before we get to all the baptism and all the fun, I want to share uh, a little message with you. It won't be long, but I just want to share, because we're in the, the middle of this series that we've got going called Storyteller. We're looking at the parables that Jesus told. Now, you want to talk about a storyteller. Man, wouldn't it be so cool just to hear Jesus tell a story? That'd be absolutely amazing. Um, speaking of stories... There was a teacher that assigned class uh, some homework, and they were supposed to go home and talk to their family and come back with a family story that had a moral meaning to it. So that's your assignment. Come back with a family story that's got a moral meaning to it. And so all the students went home, talked to their family. They came back the next day, and it was time to share the stories and talk about the life lessons that were in it, the moral lesson that was in it. So first person she picked was Susie. She said, Susie, tell us your story. Susie stood up, and she said, my story is this. One day, my mama was coming home from my grandmama's house, and she had a lot of eggs that she just got from my grandmama. She had them all in a basket on the front seat. And somebody pulled out in front of her. She had to slam on the brakes, and all the eggs went flying out into the floorboard, and they all broke. And the teacher said, okay. Well, what's the lesson in the story? And Susie said, the lesson is you don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> said, okay, well, that's a good one. She went through the whole class and eventually got to Johnny. Y'all know what's coming, right? There's always a Johnny somewhere, right? And if you're here and your name's Johnny, nothing but love. But you know, y'all know what I mean. <laughs> uh, it, and so it's Johnny's turn. Okay, Johnny, let's hear your story. Johnny stood up, spit the dip out of his mouth, and he said, "I got a story to tell you. I heard from my dad about my aunt Karen." And the teacher was like, "Okay." Let's hear it. She says, he says, my Aunt Karen was in the Army. She was in the Army back in Vietnam. She was on a transport plane flying in, trying to take supplies across the enemy line. They took heavy fire. 
Bullets were flying everywhere. Killed everybody in the plane except for my Aunt Karen. Plane started going down, and Aunt Karen knew she had no choice. She had to jump out. So Aunt Karen, being who she was, grabbed all the guns that she could, grabbed a parachute and put it on, saw a bottle of whiskey on the way out and grabbed it and jumped out of the airplane. Pulled the ripcord, lost, lost most of the guns, and started floating down. She looked down on the ground as she was floating behind enemy lines and saw a hundred enemy soldiers down on the ground where she was going to land. So Aunt Karen said, okay, here we go. Popped the top on the bottle of whiskey, downed the whole thing, took the bottle, yeah, threw it down at them. She landed on the ground, took the rifle, and just started opening fire. Killed 50 of the enemy soldiers just like that. Ran out of ammo, threw the gun at them, pulled out her sidearm, and just started opening fire. Killed another 40 enemy soldiers. Killed 90 of them. There's 10 left. She took out her knife, took out five more until she lost the knife. And then she killed the last five soldiers with her bare hands. The classroom was quiet. The teacher looked at Johnny and said, Oh my Lord. And what's the moral story? Like, what's what's the, mor the moral point of the story? What's the life lesson? Johnny said, My daddy told me the lesson was don't hang out with Aunt Karen after she's been drinking. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, nothing like starting out a message talking about drinking and killing, right? That's what I'm saying. So, welcome to Eastgate Church. <laughs> so, we're, we're a different kind of church. I'm so glad that you're here, though. Speaking of stories with meanings, though, this is what a parable is. A parable is a story that has a spiritual truth mixed into it. So, when Jesus was dropping these stories in these parables, he was telling these stories, but he was trying to communicate spiritual truth to equip the people that were listening to him. And uh, I know we can all relate to stories because we're all in the middle of a story ourselves, right? We're all in the middle of this thing called life, and we've all got individual, individual stories. You know, so I always try to, to tell people here, we always value the individual over the crowd here at the church. You know, everybody's got a name, everybody's got a story, and everybody's special to the Lord. And, and we've all got these stories that are a part of our lives. And it would be weird for me to look at you today and judge the totality of who you are just based on what I see. You know what I mean? Or, or based on just one conversation with you. I'm getting like a snapshot or just a quick glimpse of you, but I'm not seeing the whole story. I'm not seeing everything that you've been through in your life that's led you to the point that you're at today. You know, all of us here today, all of us here today, we've got stories. We've got stories. Now, if you look at me, you can't judge me just by looking at me. You don't know anything about me or my story or my struggles, what I've fought through, you know. So taking a quick glance at somebody doesn't give you the proper perspective for the totality of who they are and what they've been through. It just doesn't. You know, if you, if you see somebody walking through a store and they look a little bit heavy, they're carrying some extra weight, 
a snapshot shot judgment would say, okay, well, they're just overweight, or they don't care about their health, or maybe they got some health issues, but they, you know, a quick glance can create a scenario in your mind that's completely untrue. You don't know them. You don't know that maybe they've lost 40 pounds so far this year. You weren't there when they were putting in the reps. You weren't there when they were walking the miles. You weren't there when they were dragging themselves out of bed sore, trying to find the motivation to push through. You could be looking at the most disciplined person you're going to see for the rest of your life. But a quick glance on the outside doesn't really let you know what's going on on the inside. You know? And isn't that who we really are? What's on the inside? You know, we're all packaged different. I know I look weird. I know I'm short, but you can't see what's on the inside of me. You don't know who I really am in the eyes of God, you know? And, and so these stories make, make us who we are. Now, I think all of us, in the middle of these stories, we all have things that we want to become. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with where I am. You know, I want to accomplish more in life. I want to see. I'm a road trip junkie. There are places that I want to travel to and see. You know, there are, there, there's money that I haven't made yet that, that, that I want to make so that I can set my children up for success and pay for college. There's just unrealized dreams and goals that I have, and it's got to be the same way with you because we're not who we want to be just yet. We're all in the process of that story and becoming that person, right? You know, uh, whether you made it, or not, you're all in the process of that journey. And the frustrating thing, and I think sometimes the intimidating part of all of it, is that we, we see the goals in front of us, but that distance in front of us can be intimidating. It can seem like more than it is sometimes. And if you look behind you, I think we forget to look back to sometimes and see the distance that we've traveled. And it might not be where you want to be in life, and your walk with God might not be where it wants to be, and you might have issues and things that you're working through that you're trying to overcome, but maybe you're not that person that you used to be. Maybe you're in the process of becoming who you aspire to be. And, and a lot of times that distance between here and there can be incredibly daunting and make us feel unqualified and like we don't have the tools to get there. And I think sometimes maybe we just need to back off and not look at the distance left ahead of us to travel and maybe just focus on the next step. I can handle a step. I might not be able to, to go from here to Montana in a day, but I can get there one step at a time. And it's the same thing with your goals and the same thing with everything that God has called you to be. We can get there one step at a time. Just by a show, of, let, me, let me do it this way. If, if, you, if you would say, you know what, I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm headed that direction. Get, drop an amen in the house this morning. Let me hear you say amen. You, you know what I'm saying? Like we're all in, in that process. And I got a little word of encouragement for you this morning as we're getting into this parable that Jesus is about to drop on us. You're closer than you think you are. You're closer than you think you are. You're closer to realizing your goals than you think you are. You're closer to becoming the person that God envisioned that you would be than you think you are. You're closer to that walk with God that, that you desire than you think you are. It's just, you, look, it's just a step away for most of us today. And it's my heart that we would all take that step 
and get closer to the Lord. And I think as you look at this parable, you're going to see this theme kind of echo through what we're about to read. We're all a little bit closer than we think we are. In the book of Luke, where we're going to start reading chapter 15, we're going to look at probably the most popular parable that Jesus ever talked about. It's been duplicated and repeated for thousands of years. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Which is amazing. And, and there's, there's a spiritual message or a truth that Jesus is trying to convey through the theme of all of this that I hope we all get today. In Luke 15, Jesus continued and he said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. He said, I want what's mine. Everybody say, give me what's mine. Give me what's mine. It feels weird saying that in church, doesn't it? So, so he said, give me what's mine. So the father divided property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. A young man with a lot of money made a bad decision. Man, that's on Sports Center just about every week, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, bad decisions with a lot of money. So this guy says, I want what's mine. I want to go do my thing. But there's something else going on here with this that caught my attention that you guys might appreciate. Um, it says, this younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. That's a big deal. So in that day and culture, it was customary for a father to divide his possessions between the sons, and they'd receive that as an inheritance. You know, A lot of families still do that today, and you hope you're in a good spot on the will that grandmama gives you, you know, all that stuff. You, you hope you got something coming down to you. So that's what was happening there. But what was weird is that that normally didn't happen until after the father had passed away. That's when the estate would be legally divided and the sons would take possession of the property. What the son is saying to the father here is very insulting and demeaning. He's saying, I want what's mine even though you're still alive. What he's basically saying to this dad is, we're not good. We're not good. You're basically dead to me already. And since you're dead to me, why don't you go ahead and give me what's coming to me so I can get out of this place and do my own thing and not have to deal with you anymore? That's what he's saying. You've got to go down a little bit of road to get to a decision like that. You know, to get to a condition like that in a relationship. So just looking at this from the outside in, my question is, I wonder what happened to drive this relationship to this point. Yeah, I wonder what the conflict was. I wonder what, what the problem was. I wonder what the deal, what the hurt was, what the issue was, what, what the deal was that made this son look at his dad and say, you're dead to me, I want out. Give me my stuff so I can hit the road. And it's, it's funny how moments here can produce results there. Unresolved things here can create scenarios there. I look back on my life and I can see moments 
that took me down certain paths. Now, it's always my choice to choose how I respond to what happened to me in life. And, and you could probably say the same thing with you. Like moments happened that created a process of thought or there was a, a betrayal or a hurt or something that caused that hurt and that pain that either led you to forgive or led you to bury it and become bitter. And one of those two choices sent you down a certain pathway in life. You know, we are where we are because of the sum total of the choices that we've made as part of the story that we're living. So you can look back on these mile markers and see these things. Like for me, a big, a big one for me, and I know you, you see me up here and they're like, oh, Pastor Josh, he's bringing the word, but I gotta be honest with you, this guy didn't always like the church. This guy didn't always like church people. Yeah, right. yeah. In fact, if you go back in time, if y'all had been there and I had seen you and knew that you were a church person, I probably would have gone out of my way to do something to jack you up. Be honest with you, that's how much I, I just hated church. I hated church people because of a moment and an experience with a group of church people. I had wrong place, wrong time, made some bad decisions and got accused of doing something that I didn't do, had to spend a lot of money going to court. Court ain't cheap, y'all. Yeah, that ain't some cheap stuff at all. Oh my gosh, I just, I got the wrong. If I was gonna start a business model, I'd probably try to model it. That's like the perfect business model. You can't get away from the laws and then you gotta pay all the money to, anyway. So, um, so I'd pay a lot of money to the court, stood trial, they found me innocent by a country mile. The judge actually threw the case out of court because it was so ridiculous. But I found out what was good for the legal system to prove me innocent wasn't good enough for the people at the church I was at at the time. Well, people can be mean sometimes. And I can say a lot of stuff about you that isn't true on a snapshot. At a glance, you know, without context of the whole situation or all the information, they just, boom, that's who you are. No, that's not who I am. You don't know me. You know something that happened, but you don't know the real me. And that, that moment sent me down this, this crazy path in life. I wanted nothing to do with church, church people. In fact, I knew I was called to ministry, and I went as far away from that as I possibly could because of a moment. This is what I know. There's a lot of moments in this room today. Good ones and bad ones that led to good decisions or bad decisions. Good scenarios or bad scenarios, you know. And, and maybe even great seasons or difficult seasons in life. They all spur out of what happens to us. It's part of our story because it makes us who we are today. I like what happens in this story. He packs up his stuff. He he gets it together, and he hits the road, and he squandered his wealth in wild living. He went to Vegas and had a good time, is what he did. Anybody that tells you that sin isn't fun isn't doing it right. I'm going to say that again, all right? Anybody that says that sin isn't fun isn't doing it right. All right, but it's only fun for a season, and then the price tag hits, and you got to pay the bill. And that's where reality sets in. Reality starts to set in a little bit on this guy in Luke 15. The story continues. He says, so he went because he was broke. He had no money. He had to get a job. He said he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. 
if you were a Jewish guy living back then, the one thing you didn't do was have anything to do with pigs. But here he was in a place that he didn't want to be in a situation that he did not desire around something that he wasn't supposed to be around, all spurring from that moment that led him to that place. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I wonder how many times maybe us, and I know me, found ourselves in a position where we feel like we're selling out part of who we are. You know what I'm saying? Just, just to get through to the next day. Just, just to get by in the, the state that we're in or the condition that we find ourselves. We sell out just a little bit of who we are because we can't figure out how to resolve the hurt, so we sell out a little bit to a bottle or we sell out to some gummies or we sell out to whatever the drug is to take the edge off of the stuff so that we can kind of mask what's really going on instead of actually dealing with the situation. We sell out a little bit of who we are in relationships because we can't stand on our own two feet yet and we're emotionally dependent on other people to find some sense of identity and we get our value and worth based on other people's opinions of us i don't think that's god's plan for any of us if you're not careful you can find yourself selling out just a little bit of who you are and that's what was going on with this guy and Luke 15, going down to verse 17. I love this. He was in this situation he didn't like. And then this, this is a powerful line right here. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Hunger is a great motivator. You know, you broke long enough, you'll go get a job. You know, if the job don't pay enough long enough, you'll go figure out how to change the situation. Yeah, and, just, and so he was in that moment of life as he came to his senses. Have you ever had a moment in life where just something clicked and you looked around and you're like, what am I doing? Like, what's going on here? Or better yet, like, you ever been dating somebody? <laughs> and just something just clicks and you just look at them and like, what am I doing? You ever had that moment? Like, they, what am I doing? They are psycho. They are psycho. Like, she was cute. Then she done lost her mind somewhere between then and now. I got to get out of this. Or, yeah, he, he was handsome. He seemed nice. And now he's trying to control every aspect of my life. What am I doing? Like, these wake-up moments in life. Why am I at this job? They don't appreciate me. They're not, oh, y'all woke up on that one, didn't you? Yeah, they, they're not paying me enough. I need to get to a place that appreciates what I've got to offer and pays me twice what I'm worth. Amen in the house this morning. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? You have these moments where you wake up, and this is where this guy is. And I remember looking back on my life, a moment where things just clicked, and I woke up. I was a couple of years removed from this situation that happened at the church, just blazing my trail in the other direction, far away from where God wanted me. And I, I remember just going out with my friends one night, and we were young, and we did dumb stuff. Just did some dumb stuff all night long, just dumb stuff. You know, not illegal stuff, just dumb stuff, yeah. And I remember somewhere about 4.30, 5 in the morning, up all night, I just stopped, and I just looked around. 
And I saw all those knuckleheads that I was hanging out with. You ever done that? It's like, this, what am I hanging out with this group for? I was like, what, what am I doing here? And it was like, in a second, like I just came to my senses and my whole life just flashed before me and I saw everything that was laying in front of me potentially just hanging on what I decided to do in that moment with my walk with God, my calling with God, and, and me just saying who I wanted to be as an individual and just making a stand. I looked around, I was like, none of this has any appeal to me anymore. This is just wasting time. I don't want this anymore. And I remember I said bye to my friends, and I really said bye to those friends in that moment. I was like, you know what, man, this... This crowd isn't going to get me where I need to be in life. And I love them, and I hope they get their hearts right with God, and I'll be here for them if they decide to do that. But this influence can't mess with me anymore. Amen. I went home, and I dropped down on my bed, or beside my bed. And then I rededicated my heart and my life to God in that moment. And I said, you know what? I've jacked it up, and I've messed it up, and I've made a lot of bad calls. But if you can still do something with me, my life is yours. And I laid it all out before him. And since that moment, I have not looked back. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't just a, a few months later. Uh, things just started going into place and money started showing up that I did not have to get me to a school that I was not qualified to go to to be trained for ministry. And it all began to fall into place. And I met my wife when I was out there. Thank God for listening to God. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine life without her. All this stuff started hitting. Now, it doesn't mean that I didn't have struggle. And I didn't have problems, you know, because life is life. But my whole life changed in that moment because I came to my senses. And my heart, I'm just hearing my heart, and I believe God's heart for you today, is that maybe some of us need to come to our senses spiritually. Now, I know that means different things to different people because, again, I can't tell at a glimpse what the totality of your life is and what your experiences are, but this is what I do know. God knows. He knows, and he loves you. So he came to his senses, and he's like, man, I got to get back home. That's <laughs> what he's saying. And he begins to concoct this plan in verse 18. He says, I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. He's working out what he's going to say, like word for word. I'm going to say this stuff, and hopefully this is going to get me in. Sin against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. See, he, he just crafted this response based on, I guess, maybe his last image of his father. I mean, could you imagine the disappointment in his dad's face when he made this claim? Said, you're dead to me. I want my stuff. Man, just in a parent's heart, that's a dagger, you know. It doesn't matter how bad that situation is. If you're a parent, that hurts. has to. So he's like, I'm going to grovel. I'm going to beg. I'm going to say what I need to say. Come in with my hat and my hand and say, I don't want to be your son. I'm not worthy of being your son. I already burned that bridge. Just let me do, hire me and let me be an employee. Just let me do something here so that I'm not out busted and broke and, and starving. And I think sometimes when we approach God, we kind of have that image of him. 
And like we, we concoct all these different scenarios and things that we feel like we need to say or we feel like we need to do. And sometimes we forget that he's our dad. That we're all his children. And he has that father's heart towards us. In fact, A.W. Tozer um, had a great quote that he dropped. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is one of the most important, is, is, it is the most important thing about us. The most important fact about any person is not what he at any time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. Listen to this line. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move towards our mental image of God. Our perception of him creates our reality of him, which creates how we interact with him. And here's, here's, here's the newsflash. Our perception and concept of who God is might not even be right because too many times we catch a glimpse of him in a scenario or a situation like I did, and I judged God based on how a person or people in church treated me. That's a person's mistake. That's not God's heart towards me. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes we'll, we'll get a snapshot judgment of who he is, and it's not the case at all. And we think that we have 10,000 things to get right in our lives, and that's not the case at all. We've got to get, I've got to become this kind of person, and then I can go to church. Some of y'all are here today because people invited you, and it took every ounce of self-control and discipline you had in you to show up today because you wanted to support them. But this church stuff weirded you out because you're at an awkward place in your reality of who God is. There's a big difference between religion and a real relationship with Jesus. Religion teaches behavior modification to try to be a certain, look a certain way and act a certain way. But relationship with Jesus, that's life transformation from the inside out because of what he does in us. Completely, it changes everything because that has less to do with us and more to do with him. And I think this is the heart of what Jesus is trying to get across in this parable. It's, it's the perception that the son had of the father, but more importantly, the father's reaction to the son. If you look in Luke 15, again in verse 20, this is one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible because it captures the heart of God and how he sees us and desires to interact with us. It says, so he got up and went to his father. Now here we go, it's showtime. He's got the stuff down, he's got it all rehearsed, he's got his steps in place. He starts walking towards his father. And then the Bible says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and he ran yeah. to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. He didn't care what his son had to say. He didn't care about the hoops. He just wanted his son back. It's just amazing to me. That is God's heart towards 
us. We sometimes we we think about the laws and the rules and those Ten Commandments. You know, and a good Christian doesn't say this and you can't say that. And I still can't believe the pastor said whiskey in church. Oh my God, what are we going to do? You know, but all, all of this religious junk, and we lose sight of the fact that God loved us all so much that He sent His Son to die for you and me. His heart, His heart is for us to be with us. It, this is just, we get this, the wrong mental image of Him. Because we don't know the whole story. See, th throughout the Bible, you see God modeling this towards His people. This is the same God that saw David in the field when everyone else overlooked Him. And they saw a poor shepherd's boy. And God saw the next king of Israel. This is the same God that when David was at the lowest point of his life had committed this horrible sin and was about to go into a really dark place, God sent Nathan the prophet to David, sent Nathan to David to bring him back in. Same God that met Elijah in a cave on the side of the mountain when he was ready to just give up throw in the towel and die. He met him where he was and restored his faith. This is the same Jesus, the same Jesus that found Thomas. After Jesus had died and come back, Thomas was having a hard time believing the whole thing. Jesus went to him in a moment of doubt and restored his faith. This is the same Jesus that went after Peter. You catching the theme of this. The same Jesus that went after Peter. After Peter had denied Jesus three times. Had turned his back on his calling. Walked away from that ministry. Went back to doing what he was doing before he met Jesus. Running his fishing business. Jesus went to him. And restored him. See... I think the, the bigger truth through this whole thing, one is that you're not as far away as you think you are. You're closer than you think you are. And the reason why is because God splits the difference. He splits the difference. See, when we can't make it to where we need to be, He meets us where we are. Thank God for that. Yeah, if you look back, in, in the Bible, you know, I don't know how much of the Bible you've read or, or what you know, but Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden had it made. Man, the Bible actually says that God would walk with them in the cool of the day and hang out. How cool would it be to just walk with God? What's up, G? Oh, not much. Yeah, just walking and hanging out with Him in the cool of the day. They messed up and they sinned. And God split the difference. They had to leave the Garden of Eden. But God instituted the first sacrifice for the covering of blood for that sin to meet them where they were because they couldn't get there themselves. If you look all through the Bible, you're going to see God trying to interact with his people. He put his presence in the Ark of the Covenant. Probably heard about that. The children of Israel will carry that around. He's like, it can't be the way that it was because of sin entering into the world. So that messed up our relationship with one another. And while I can't be with you, I want to be close to you. Because he splits the difference. 
And then later, when Solomon built the temple, they had a special moment where in the Holy of Holies in that temple, you had the outer courts, the inner courts, and the special place called the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was going to reside. And, and in that moment of prayer, they dedicated the temple. The Bible says the presence of God filled the holies of holy there. It, it was amazing, but he was still separated from them because of this thing called a veil or this big curtain that was in the temple. The Bible says was several feet thick. And I can be with you. I can't be with you, but I can be around you because I'll split the difference. And the Bible says that We've all made that mistake. If you've been born into this world, you've been born into the curse of sin. That's something we didn't ask for, something we didn't sign up for, but because of Adam and Eve, that's what happened. We're all born into this stuff called sin, and all of us have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. And it doesn't even have to be anything horrible. To sin just simply means to miss the mark. It's an archery term, like you miss the bullseye. Because God's a holy God, and he can't lower his standard. He can't lower his standard to where we are, but I praise God that he splits the difference and raises us up to where he is. Are you catching this yet? It's amazing. And so when Jesus came in and walked on the earth for 33 years, he healed blind eyes. He healed the lame. He, he rose the dead from the grave. He did all of this amazing stuff and made this huge impact in the world. And then when the time came for him to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sin, to deal with that sin issue once and for all, he put himself at the mercy of men and allowed himself to be nailed to a cross and lifted up to shed his blood and die for your sin and for my sin, just on a maybe that we might give him a chance and come back home and accept him for who he is and get right with God. And I love this because when he was on the cross, Jesus screamed out this words. He says, it is finished. The price is paid. I've done what I came to do and not much longer than that. He breathed his last breath and the Bible says that the earth shook, that there was thunder blasting in the sky when he breathed his last breath. And the Bible says that that veil in the temple was ripped in two from the top to the bottom, from God to us, because he literally splits the difference so that he can be with us. He was saying symbolically, there is nothing now between you and me. I have paid the price. I've restored the relationship. Now I don't just have to be around you, but we can be together again. It's so powerful when you stop and you think about it. He splits the difference and meets us where we are and a lot of times our perception and concept of who he is keeps that from happening. Like we psych ourselves out. Probably some of you in here right now, like you're feeling what I'm saying because God's kind of dealing with your heart a little bit and you're feeling it. But in your mind, you're thinking, I'm not ready yet. Or you're thinking, I just, I, I want to get some things right before I do this. I just, I just, and, and I would just say, don't psych yourself out. I'm always reminded of this story. I told it a couple of times and it, and it involves one of my daughters, Abby. If you haven't met Abby yet, you'll never forget her when you do. She's just a, just a fireball of life and energy. She's a great kid for sure. 
She's never still. It's everywhere. Maybe you got a kid like that. Um, so when Abby was real little, still in diapers, she was sick. It was my job to watch her that day. So I was home with her. And when I say sick, I, not to be gross in church, but when I'm saying anything that was available for stuff to come out of, it was coming out of anything that was available for it to come out of. You know what I mean? That kind of sick. And I put her down for a nap so that she could just rest and recover. And I remember leaving the room, fixing to go do something in the house, and I heard her crying. And I went to the room to check on her, and she was in her crib, covered head to toe with poop. Ever been there as a parent? Every parent's got a good poop story, right? So she's covered with poop. First thing I noticed when I walked in the room was her condition. The second thing I noticed was the smell. Because it was sick baby poop. That's just a special kind of something. Um, and what had happened was she had tried to clean herself up. So she had her diaper off. And she had tried to, in the process of trying to clean her own self up, she'd actually made the mess a lot worse. And I did what you're supposed to do as a parent, walked in and said, okay, to the bathtub it is. Yeah. So I grab her here. And I'm taking her to the bathtub. And she reaches out to me and says, I hold you. That's what Abby used to say. She wouldn't be will you hold me? It was, I hold you. So she's like, I hold you? I was like, I know what she's asking for. I got her from a distance and she's wanting a daddy hug because she's not feeling good. This kid's covered with poop. She ain't getting a daddy hug. You know what I mean? I just, that's, that's a different level of commitment in this moment. So I'm trying to get her, trying to get her to the, the bathtub and then she just starts to lean in a little bit on me with her arms out. I hold you. With that little whimpering voice. I was like, God. Well, I guess we're doing laundry tonight, you know? So here we go. I bring her in, and I'm holding my little girl. We just had this moment there. And you could tell she was okay. She was with Daddy. And I'll never forget how God spoke to me in that moment. And he said, this right here is how I love you. In your mess, covered with your stuff, trying to fix it yourself and only making it worse, I took you and all of that mess and brought you to myself. Listen, God splits the difference when we can't get to him he comes to us and accepts us as we are it's okay to not be okay the good news is that Jesus loves us enough to refuse to leave us that way there's no hoops to jump through I always tell my heart my heart for my kids I always tell them there's nothing you could do right now that's going to make me love you any more or any less than I do right now it's never going to change my love for you is constant. And if you've got kids as a parent, I know you can appreciate this heart. 
because if you love your kids, it's probably the same. It's just, it doesn't matter what they do when they go out into the world. It doesn't matter how many mistakes they make. It doesn't matter if the decisions are good or bad. It doesn't matter how big of a mess they make of life. It doesn't matter how far they go. They can always come back home. Can always come back home. And I'm grateful that God has that heart towards us. Can always come back home. God loves you. And Jesus died for you. And I know you're in the middle of this story called life, but maybe today can be one of those moments that changes everything you look back on. 20 years from now, living the life that God called you to live. Maybe it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but the purpose is there and the passion is there and the zeal is there and the joy is there and the emptiness is gone. And you look back and say that moment was the moment that changed everything. And I think maybe that God set this moment up for you today as part of your story to have a fantastic finish that maybe you never saw coming. If everyone would bow your heads and close your eyes real fast, I just want to pray with you for a second. We're going to baptize people in just a little bit, but heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Are you here today? Man, if I were to ask you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you know the answer to that right now? There is no, I guess so, I think so, maybe. You either do or you don't. Are you close to God or far from God? There's no in-between. You know the answer to that, and that's the beautiful part about it. And I believe probably the Holy Spirit's already been working on your heart for this question right now. Are you ready to stand before God when that day of judgment comes? You know, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible also says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment comes. And all that's going to matter in that moment is whether or not our name is found in the Lamb's book of life. And while God did everything he could to set us up for success, he sent his son to die for us, to pay that price for sin. It does no good unless we repent and accept that forgiveness and enter into a relationship with him. Like we literally have to walk over everything that God did to go to hell because he did everything within his power to help us escape that punishment. Are you ready to stand before him today? Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If, if you know you're not ready, but you want to be ready, when I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. This is your moment. Moments matter, and I think it's important to be present in the moments that matter most. And I just ask you to look ahead for the next 20, 30 years, or 10 years, or look out into eternity. It, it all hangs on this moment right here. Maybe today's a good day to come home. And I think what you'll find is that God's going to split the difference and not wait for you to come to him, but he's going to come running to you and wrap you up. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Josh, I'm not ready to stand before God. I don't have a relationship with him. I, I, I'm not ready for any of that. And really, 
Some of it really doesn't even make sense to me, but I can sense that it's real and I'm gonna give it a try. Just figure it out one step at a time and God meets you where you are and splits the difference even with that. Today's a great day for change. So when I count to three, if that's you, I want you to lift your eyes and I want you to look at me. I wanna pray with you and get this right. Before we move on with service and get on with the day, let's get this right today. So here we go. I'm not right with God. I'm not ready, but I want to be, and I want to fix that now. On the count of three, lift your eyes and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me. That's you. I see yours. I see yours. I see yours. I see yours. I see you in the back. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. Pastor Josh, I'm not ready, but I want to be. I see yours right there. I see you right there. This is awesome what God is doing in this place. People are coming home today. I say don't wait for tomorrow. Don't even wait for later today. Let's make this happen now. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet, you know you need to. Lift them up and look at me. Let's pray and let's get this right. I see yours. I see you right there. This is awesome. Just one more time. We're going to go just a little bit longer. I think it's important enough to ask one more time. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet and you know you need to, lift them up and look at me. Lift them up and look at me if that's you. I love what the Lord is. I see yours right there. This is so awesome. I see yours right there. This is so awesome. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. Let's all do this. Let's all stand together this morning if you would. Let's all stand to our feet if you can. And here's what we do here at, at Eastgate Church, and a lot of churches do this. I'm about to pray a prayer, and I want you to pray this and repeat it after me. And we're going to mean it from our hearts, okay? I believe our, our hearts are already reaching out to God, and the Bible says that you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And you confess with your mouth, and that's what we're going to do. We're believing, so we're going to confess and get everything Right. Can you guys hear me okay with the music playing? Everything's good? All right. So we're going to get this right. We do this together because we believe at this church no one walks alone. We're all family. We're all children of God. We all do our best to watch each other's backs. I will say this. If you're looking for a perfect church, we're not it. But if you're looking for a church full of people that have a heart to seek after God, you found one. You found one. If you lifted up your eyes and you said, today needs to be a day of change, I want to do something special with you if you'll let me. I know this might make you a little uncomfortable and it might make you feel awkward and I don't want that to happen to you. But what I do want to do is maybe give you a chance to take a little step of faith and put a little bit of legwork to what you're saying you're feeling like you want to do with God. And I, honestly, I just want to be able to pray with you personally in this moment because I think individuals matter over crowds. I really do. And I want to have a, a personal moment with you just to be able to pray with you while everyone else is praying. So this is what I want to challenge you to do. Man, if, if you lifted up your eyes and you're serious about that decision that you're making today, I want you to get out of your seat 
and out of your row. And if you would, please come meet me right down here in front of this stage so that I can pray with you personally. Can we do that? Somebody needs to make the first move. Everybody's always scared till somebody takes that first step. Come on, somebody. Somebody take a step. Come on, let's give God praise for them. All right. Come on. There we go. There we go. We got one. Everybody else, come on. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? There were a lot of people. There we go. There we go. We're going to take a stand for Jesus in this house today. You lifted up your eyes and you want to make this decision real and just go that next step. Come on. Come on. All right. So we got some, some chicken legs. That's all right. Let's do this. This is, this is how important this is to me. And it's not that you can't pray where you are. All right. And I'm definitely not trying to put you on the spot. All right. I just don't want you to miss out on this moment because I think it could be very important for you. Do me a favor. I want you to look at the person standing next to you and look them in the eyes and say, hey, do you need to go down there? Because I'll go with you. All right. All right, now if they'll go with you, let's see who comes down now on the count of three. All right, with or without somebody, let's do this. We got some coming already. One, two, three, come on. You don't have to go by yourself. You don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to do this by yourself. Oh, I love what God's doing in this place. What do y'all say? I wanna know who I'm praying with. So, we got this group here. All right. All right. Make sure we're getting everybody. All right. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. And pray with you. Listen, I'm so proud. Let's bring it down. Let's bring it down. Thank you. So, um, so proud of you guys. Listen, the, I, I'm going to encourage you. Listen, if, you, if you're not, I know you may be visiting here today. If you don't have a church home, you need to get a church home. All right. Uh, I would encourage you with all my heart. Listen, I love this place, obviously. I'd encourage you to come hang out here and try us out for a season and see if it fits. If it doesn't, I can connect you with a church that might fit you better. I want you to succeed spiritually. I don't want this to be just a moment. I want this to be a transformational moment that carries you to the day you stand before Jesus. You understand? So I'm in this with you for the long haul. There's some stuff that I'd encourage you to do. The first thing, we're, we're doing it today for a lot of people. I'd encourage you to consider getting baptized in water because that's just kind of going public with what Jesus has done inside of you. Right. You're going on water, you're saying, I'm dying to my old way of life, coming up a new creation in Jesus. And I know some people might need a little bit of time to think that through. And we're definitely not putting you on the spot and saying, get baptized today. You know, we're not doing any of that. Um, now, if you want to, we'll, we'll work that out and figure it out. But uh, soon, I'd encourage you to do that. All right. Uh, we got some great classes here to help you get your feet under you spiritually. Um, we'll, we'll get you there after we pray. Let me, let's, let's pray and everyone repeat this after me. And you guys that, that are responding, and even the ones that responded but did not come up, pray this and mean it from your heart. And I believe that God can still do his thing where you are because he splits the difference and meets us where we are. Amen. So let's all pray this after me. Here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting me where I am. Thank you for sending your son to die for my sin. 
Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I repent. That means I turn away from the sin in my life. I don't want it. I want you. Thank you for dying for me, for not giving up on me. One day at a time, one step at a time, I'll live my life to grow closer to you as you change me from the inside out. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a shout of praise in the house. He's so awesome. So, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do, if you will. Emily, where are you? Okay, here's Emily. Listen, I want you to, I trust Emily. Emily's a great person. What I want to ask you to do is just go with Emily for be five minutes. And Emily's going to talk to you about a couple of things. One of them is going to be water baptism. One of them is going to be um, getting involved in our first step class that we have here. And if that's not for you right now, there's no pressure. You're not signing up for anything. But what I want to do is just for maybe five minutes, get you out of this environment and with her to just talk through what happened to you for a second. And then we'll have you come back in. Okay, you're not going to miss anything at all. You're not going to miss the baptisms or anything like that. She's going to get you in and get you back out in a hurry. But if you would, please, she's going to take you down the center aisle and around the back and around this wall. If you would, just follow her. She's already going. Trust that you guys are going to follow her. If y'all would, please go with her if you responded to the altar call, um, whether you came up or not. Y'all got the road blocked right here. Emily, if you will, wait. All right, y'all go with Emily. Y'all go with Emily. Y'all go with Emily. And then we'll come back. Sounds good? All right. Well, while they're doing that, what do y'all say we give God a little bit of praise for what just happened in this house? Amen? I think we're going to have the worship team just lead us in a quick song. We're going to move this on and get to the baptisms. I love this stuff. So if y'all would... Uh, let's get the words back up on the screens. Let's just have a moment of giving thanks to the Lord for what he's done and worship him in the house. Amen? Amen. So let's all stand back up and let's just give God about five minutes of praise.